Heavenly Father, we're just gathered here today. We welcome every one of you into the service today. Father, we just come into submission to your spirit. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we've come here to worship you, to praise you, to join our hearts together, Father, and lift you up. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for amazing, amazing times worshiping the Lord. Thank you for amazing times with Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, I thank you for each one that's here today and those that might be on the road today. Father, just keep them safe. Keep them in your care. Father, we just anticipate a great time in the service today with your presence, your presence flowing through this place. Your presence is here to heal, to set free, to deliver. And we trust you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. The first hymn we're going to sing this morning is My Savior's Love. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. How 
Yes, let's give a clap offering unto him this morning. Unto him this morning, our wonderful, marvelous Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing some of the beautiful old songs, hymns of the church, ones we haven't sang very often. It's good to be reminded of the words in some of these. It just takes us right back to that time when we accepted Jesus. And, and uh, it's amazing to feel those old memories again. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Great things he has done.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, we do praise the Lord. While we pray through that one again, just shake a hand all around you. Greet one another in the Lord this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence. As we join together and we shake a hand and give a hug, I pray for your love to just spread. Spread in an amazing way, Lord. In a wonderfully amazing way. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. about standing on the promises a long time now um, because we believe the Word of God contains such amazing promises that we can stand on and we can tell our Lord that we find Him faithful and we'll stand on His Word and it's so amazing to see those things come to pass. Let's sing standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of
Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the power in the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. When we come to the Lord, we come to the Lord and we give him all that we are and we receive Jesus as our Savior. Our name gets written down in the book of life. Hallelujah. Yes. And so when the roll is called, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When they take the roll call, my name is going to be on there. Is yours? I hope so. I hope so. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning brights eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise. And the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen one shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder i'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder
Thank you for your plan, Lord. Thank you for your plan of redemption, your wonderful plan of redemption. And we can cling to that old rugged cross, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the Old Testament, once a year, 
the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And in order to do that, he needed a spotless lamb. And so he would go. The lambs would all be brought in and he would have to pick one out. He would pick one with no blemish at all. No little patch of wool missing. Not a crooked foot or a crooked leg or a, a bitten off ear. Nothing. It had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. And that's the best they had. Once a year, the priest would take that into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice it for the sins of the people. And then they were okay until next year when it happened again. But God did away with that plan when he sent Jesus. Thank you for 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 Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God because he was the perfect one. He didn't ever sin. There was no blemish on his life. And you might think that the devil or the Pharisees crucified him, but he gave his own life. As a song says, he could have called 10,000 angels to come and take him off the cross. So he didn't have to go through that. But he didn't. He did it for you, and he did it for me. He did it for whosoever will come. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done and where you've been. If you come, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And he will accept you. And you can be among the saved. Among those going to heaven with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave. No. 
and eternal life. Yes, Lord, you are worthy. You are so worthy. Oh, God, live in us and through us. We just thank you that Jesus wants to live within us and be with us. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that in Jesus our sins are forgiven. Our bodies can be healed. We can be delivered and made whole. 
in Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus is one of the seven wonders of the world. I guess it's at the top of the list. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, just raise your voices with me and just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You are the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Yes, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, you are so worthy. You are so amazing. You are so amazing, Lord. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the Wonderful Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? Awesome. It's good. Are you blessed this morning? Amen. It's good to uh, 
gather together for worship, isn't it? And to, uh, you know, as we're singing some of the songs, those uh, old hymns of the church, and just re- reflecting on the promises of God, and reflecting on uh, the victory that we have in the Lord. I'm very glad this morning that uh, we have victory. We, we, uh, he has he conquered for us, and uh, it gives us a great hope. Amen? It's, it's not just a, a great hope that one day we're going to be floating on a cloud or something, playing a harp. But it's, uh, it's a hope that starts now. It's the hope that starts now because Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. His spirit resides in you. When you are a believer in Christ and the spirit of God lives in you and he's transforming you and changing you as long as we're yielding, right? You know what the it's like when you're in the car. Like Ethan just got his license, right? And so we're driving around and yeah, I, I won't tell you how many times it took him to write the test. We won't go there, right? Ethan, we won't go there. He got it. That's the main thing, right? Don't matter after that. And I, and I just tell him, I said, you know, it's, you, know, you, know the, you know the road signs, right? When it says stop, it doesn't mean squeal tires on pavement. Would you say that's true? According to the manual, anyway. According to the manual, right? And, uh, you know, it's red, it's stop. When it's Auburn, it's look out. And then when it's green... Pedal to the metal, right? Well, that's what we—that's what we heard back east, anyway, from one young guy. So when we yield to the sign, I just said, just pay attention to the signs, obey the signs, and everything's going to be fine. And isn't it the same in in the walk, our walk with God? As long as we yield, right, to the Spirit of God, and we and we pay attention to what the manual tells us, everything's going to be fine, right? We'll get, we'll get victory. Even in the midst of our trials and our storms that we go through. How many would say this morning that we go, there's times you go through things in your life. But aren't you glad this morning that even though you go through things, you can look back on those things and you can mark them in your, in your journey. And you can notice that, hey, the Lord was faithful here. We went through this, but he was faithful. And then there was another time that we were going through this and he was faithful. And then there was another time that he was faithful. And so despite the fact that maybe there's things that you might be going through now, because of his faithfulness, he's got, you know, our Lord has a good track record. He has a good track record. Do you know that he's dependable? People fail you, but the Lord is dependable. He's reliable. He's responsible. And it's wonderful to know that he is in the driver's seat. Hallelujah for that. Because I don't know about you, but there's times, and, and I'm not going to mention, some of you know, but, you know, I look at my, I, I, I'm in a bathroom where there's lots of mirrors, and I can see, when I'm looking in one mirror, I can see behind what it looks like in the back side. I'm thinking, wow, I'm losing some hair up here. You can't see it because you're just seeing the front, but. There's some receding, and there's some hair that's lost. And I think some of the hair that's lost is probably from some of the things you go through. How about some of you folks who say, you know, I got some things that I've went through, and I got some gray hair to show for it. 
But how many know he's faithful? He's a good God, isn't he? He's a good God, and because of that, we, can, we too can walk in the victory that Jesus has secured for us. And we're going to look at that in a couple minutes here about walking in victory. I'm going to be doing a little bit of reversal here, but that's okay. So we're going to, we're going to get into Ephesians 6 in a few minutes. But I um, just want to welcome you this morning. And if you, have been, if you came a little bit later, we just want to let you know that uh, thank you for coming. And uh, if we didn't get a, a greet at, at the door, uh, we want to get you on the way out. We want to give you a, a gift uh, and just be able to connect with you before you leave this morning. So... If you would afford us to do that, that would be fantastic. And if it's your first time, welcome. If it's been your first time in a long time, welcome. And uh, if you received the bulletin when you came in, I trust that you did. And I'm not going to rehearse all the announcements. Um, most of those things are, there's not a huge amount of changes right now, but, uh, but you'll notice, of course, um, coming up this week. Last week we met on, on Wednesday night. For our our Bible study series on the bait of Satan, just want to let you know the bait of Satan. That's a great. Uh, who's enjoying that so far? I think we have two sessions in. Uh, you're getting something out of that. Would you say that's very practical? Would you say that it's something that we face on a regular basis? And uh, as John Bevere said, that God's will will always come to pass as long as we don't get offended, because we can get offended with others and we can get offended with God. And if we get offended with God, it wasn't a great lesson we looked at Joseph, Joseph versus the Israelites. Remember Joseph? Uh, God gave him a dream, and uh, he could have got offended and upset with his brothers, his family. He could have got upset with God, but guess what? Joseph didn't do that, and Joseph went straight to, eventually, I shouldn't say directly, but he did go to the second in command in all of Egypt. And because of that, he saved his entire family and, and the nation. And uh, isn't that wonderful? Because how many know that it was through the nation of Israel that Jesus came, our Messiah, our Lamb of God, our Joseph, so to speak, our Savior. And, it was, and think about this. If Joseph, if Joseph had have got offended with God, what would the outcome have been? We don't really know. But we can say that we're thankful that Joseph didn't do that. But, you know, Israelites, they got offended with God. Moses and God in the desert, and they didn't get into the... They didn't get to where... The Lord really wanted them to go. That was in the promised land. It had to be another generation. So if we want to step into all that God has for us, we, we don't want to be offended with others. We don't want to be offended with God. So great um, series. And if you haven't um, been able to make it, I want to invite you to come Tuesday, 7 o'clock. It's a short time of praise. And uh, then we uh, get into the study and we pray. So want to uh, invite you for that. And... Uh, as you can see, the number of different things coming at Heritage House, of course, uh, returning on the 21st of October, Samaritan's Purse in November, Mission Sunday with President Eric Dirksen of Vanguard College coming in December, and a, source, a host of other things taking place. And I believe, Frank, you get your hand up for a... Who likes cake and ice cream? Nobody, right? You're all going to leave, right? You're all going to leave when the service is over so that I can have all the cake and ice cream. Okay? Can you do, can you do that? Because my birthday was in September. Yeah. So I want all... No, I'm, I'm just joking. I won't, I won't hog all the cake and ice cream. I don't need to hog all the cake and ice cream. 
I'll get a corner piece. Extra frosting. Extra frosting. Who likes extra frosting? I do. I probably shouldn't look for extra frosting, but it's a special occasion. We can do that, right? Special occasions. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So you're invited to stay. Stay, stay. please stay and enjoy some cake and ice cream and some fellowship with each other. Uh, This time we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit. We're going to receive our tithe and our offering and our giving uh, as we give back to the Lord a portion he's he's blessed us with. And and it's an honor and a privilege to be able to give. And as we do, Frank's coming with the offering plates. Thank you, Frank, as you come. And and, uh, we're going to pray together. Amen. Amen. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, sore houses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, callings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls, from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that has joined my value system to yours. You will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me, so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you got your Bible this morning, and you want to turn into Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, how many glad again for victory in Jesus? Victory in Jesus. I was, I was um, this is not really related to this, but uh, I hope nobody is ever offended that I don't wear a suit. Is it okay that I don't wear a suit? Some people think that it's, that's, if you don't wear a suit, it's, you're being worldly. Someone, someone, uh, Jensen Franklin, you're familiar with Jensen Franklin? Well, Jensen Franklin was preaching, and there was a little uh, um, video excerpt, just a, just a small portion of, of what he was saying. And, and someone had responded on Facebook saying that, that uh, he needed to drop the skinny jeans and go back to his suit so that, uh, you know, because he had to practice what he preached. And nothing wrong with a suit. How many think, you, some, you know, there's those times that, hey, you look pretty sharp in a suit, Right? especially when you can button all the buttons on your jacket. Amen? But, uh, you know, one, one wise guy, I won't say the name, but one wise guy responded something like, well, you know, Jesus didn't wear a suit, uh, but I know that Al Capone did, and, you know, there's some sleazy politicians and drug dealers that do. So, <laughs> you know, it's not the suit, is it? It's not the outward appearance. It's, it's what... It's what it's on the on the inside. So I, I'm just making a case this morning to wear my shirt and jeans. So, and and if that offends you, I apologize for that. But I just want to be comfortable, and I trust that you're comfortable too. And uh, but we're gonna look in the Word of God together. Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Do you know what's interesting? If you anybody anybody a uh, a student of history, anybody like to read history, watch the History Channel, biographies, that sort of thing. You know. Well, how many would agree this morning that the 20th century had quite a lot of wars in it? 
quite a lot of armed conflict. But if you read history, you'll notice that really that's not new. There's been a lot of wars, a lot of battles, um, all through human history. And, you know, as you can see here on the screen, and I'm just going to leave that there. It's a, we won't call it a title slide, we'll just call it a slide, but just remind us. That we are in, we are also in a battle. We are in a battle. And we have enemies, did you know that? One of the enemies that we have is our flesh. And when we talk about flesh, we're not talking about the skin you have. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a nature. Paul calls it the sinful nature that wants us, it pulls us toward the things that are going to gratify that. How many know it's not wrong to eat? Would you agree it's not wrong to eat? We're going to have cake and ice cream after. It's not a sin to eat. Praise God. It's not a sin to eat. How many enjoy eating? Lift your hand. Kids, they don't want to eat because they're too busy. But when you get older, as Ethan said, eating is so much fun. It's not wrong to eat, but how many know it's wrong that you eat too much? And too much of the wrong stuff regularly is not good for you, right? But sometimes it's the flesh we battle with that. How many know sugar is an addictive substance and it can be toxic in too much uh, in too much quantity. So just, you know, hold off on how much cake you eat today so I can get a... No, just joking. So there's the flesh. There is there is also the world. The world system. Not talking about the world. God loved the world. He died for the world. But there's a world system that wants to influence how we think and how we live that, that goes contrary to the will and the ways of God. How many would agree that that's there? That's a reality. And then we also have the devil. We also have the devil. But here's one thing I want us to say right up from the outset, is that we don't fight for victory. As we were singing victory in Jesus this morning. Because here's the thing. Because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection, the victory has been sealed. Because it was the cross, through the cross of Christ, Jesus overcame. He said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in Jesus, we too can be overcomers. Amen? In Jesus, we can be overcomers. So we don't fight for the victory. Because the ultimate victory is settled. Because we've read the end of the book. We know the destiny, and I've mentioned this many times. We know where things are headed. We know the end of the story. Because our destiny is to rule and reign with Christ for, from eternity to eternity. That's our destiny. You're destined to reign. You're destined to rule. How many think that's a pretty good thing? But in this present world in which we live right now, we wrestle with an enemy, not for the victory, but from the position of victory. I want to say that again. You don't wrestle for the victory. You wrestle from a position of victory. 
It's because your position is in Christ. If you are a believer, your position is in Christ. You've been, you, you are now in a new, different uh, situation. So it's by faith that we need to appropriate that victory in our lives. Look at verse 10 in Ephesians chapter 6, simply walking in victory. Let's just talk about walking in victory. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and, and his mighty power. I just want to let you know this morning that not only am I preaching this for you, I'm preaching this for me this morning. How, is it okay that if I preach this message and you get a little encouraged that it's okay? Is it okay if that happens? So finally, be strong in the Lord, Paul is writing to the Ephesians. And in the, his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, everybody say struggle. So he's talking to the Ephesians, he's saying they're in a struggle. I think we're also in a struggle. He said it's not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against these authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so that when, not if, but when, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Lord, we come this morning in your name, in the power of your name, in, 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 in you who has secured that victory. And today, God, we come and we, we recognize that because of our position in you, that we fight not, from, not for the victory, but from the position of victory. And Lord, in the name of Jesus today, I pray that this word would find a lodging place within our hearts. May it be used for our benefit. May we put it into action so that we may be able to take our stand. And when the day of evil comes, we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Paul is closing off his letter to the Ephesians. And he talks about four things that we need to understand and we need to apply. So it's important to understand and it's important then we, then we need to apply. Not enough just to understand, we need to apply it. First thing I want to look at this morning is looking at verses 10 and, and verse 11 and 12. So those three verses, the first thing you'll notice is that Paul discusses our enemy. Look what it says again. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, I remember when Ethan was in Taekwondo. And when Ethan was in Taekwondo, well, he's into it now, but when he was back east in Taekwondo, he was really good at patterns. He was really not so great at sparring. In fact, there was this girl who was the, what was she, the two, 2014, 2015? 
Eastern Canadian champion in her division. And Ethan would go up against this girl, and this girl would beat him every time. Wasn't that right, Ethan? Okay, I'm, I know that this is embarrassing right now, but we're going to get to the good part, okay? She kept whipping him over and over again. And I remember one time in Christy was working at Tim Hortons, I run into the Tim Hortons, I'm like, you wouldn't believe what happened tonight? He... You know, he, he, kicked, he beat up Laura. That's what he, I said. He beat Laura up. I was so excited. And then Christiane was thinking, oh, my goodness. He is just telling everybody in the store that my son just beat up a girl. <laughs> yup, he gave her a side kick right in the bread basket, sent her right off the mat. It was awesome. I was proud. My boy could beat a girl. But there's a story to this. You follow, you catch up to this. And as I was talking to Ethan, I said, Ethan, how did you beat her? Because he kept beating her every time after that. And one of the things that he said is that, you know, as he was watching her, he studied her. He studied her moves. He studied her fighting style. And he began to, as he began to study that, just like coaches would study the opposing team and how they play and how they win and what they do, he began to devise his strategy because he began to know who his opponent was. It's the same way within the military. There's an intelligence branch of the military. Now, just to, to give you a, 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 a good news, is he actually, it was gold, right? Gold in the 2016 Eastern Canadian Champion Inspiring, right, in your division. So he studied Laura, beat Laura, beat others. Laura made him a better fighter. So he actually got a gold medal, 2016 Eastern Canadian champion in his division. Pretty good, right? Even Aiden, guys had like four times, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. But the point that I'm making here is they studied their enemy. They studied their opponent. And if we were in the military, you'd have an intelligence branch. And that branch of the forces would provide relevant information, right information, that would enable commanders to make decisions. Because if you're going to go into battle, you need to know your enemy, and you need to know how the enemy is fighting, and you need to know their tactics, and you need to know what weapons they have. You need to know the surroundings. Because if we don't know who the enemy is, we don't know where the enemy is, we, we don't know what the enemy is, we'll risk defeat. Would you agree with that? So our intelligence branch here, folks, this morning is the Holy Spirit. Because by inspiration, Paul penned these words as the Spirit of God gave him insight so that he, we could know who the enemy was. Now our enemy this morning, he talks about the devil. And devil means accuser. It means that he it accuses us before God Day and night, Revelation 12, 7 to 11 talks about that. He is our adversary. That is why he is called Satan. He is our adversary. That's what that means. Satan means adversary. He is not your friend. Everybody agree with that? He's not our friend because he's the enemy of God. In all that God has planned for this world, in all that God has planned for his people, he is also called the tempter. 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, he's a murderer, a liar, the father of lies, John 8, 44. He's compared to as a, a lion, a serpent, an angel of light, and the God of this age. That's a profile. Not an FBI profile, but a biblical profile of who our enemy is. And the imperative that Paul gives us in verses 10 to 12 suggests that Satan is a strong enemy. For he tells us this, he says, be strong in yourself? No. But be strong in the Lord. And in the power of your might? No. In the power of his might. In other words, you can't, you can't stand against the enemy alone. You can't do it on your own steam. So we need the God's power to stand against him. You see, he's not compared to as a lion or a dragon for no reason. Amen? All you need to do is read the book of Job. Read the book of Job and you can see that Satan, can, what he can do to a man's body, what he can do to his home, what he can do to his financial health, what he can do to his family, his friends. He is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he will use whatever tap, tactic of deception and temptation that he can. He will know, he will have a group who are familiar spirits who will know all about you. He knows about your parents, knows about your grandparents, knows about your family line. He will come and he will try to find whatever weakness there is in your life to bring temptation to take you out of, as far as possible, the will of God. Because his aim is to destroy you. To destroy you. And one of the great ways that he does it is he does it by infiltration. He'll infiltrate your mind and infiltrate your heart, infiltrate your home, infiltrate your town, infiltrate the church. And that's what he's up, he's up to do, is to steal, kill, and to destroy. Not only is he strong, he is wise, he is, because Paul talks about his schemes. He's cunning. He's crafty arts and strategies. And so we cannot be ignorant of his devices, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 2. Because he masquerades not in a red suit with horns and his pitchfork and with a neon sign and a business telling you who he is. No, the Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. Because his job is to deceive. And his goal is to blind both the believer and the unbeliever of the truth. And Jesus said that thy word is truth. Paul says we wrestle not with flesh and blood. I remember when I was in judo many moons ago. And for a few years, and I can tell you, that in order to wrestle... You had to have a hand-to-hand -hand battle. And it wasn't a game. It wasn't a playground. It was a matter of winning and losing. It's thrown to the mat by your opponent. It's embarrassing. 
because you, you can end up losing, but folks, there's even greater things that stick comes to this struggle. This struggle isn't just about winning and losing and having your hand raised at the end of the match. This is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of who gets into the kingdom and who doesn't. It's a matter of heaven and hell. This is eternity. This is eternal stakes. And he will use, as I mentioned before, this world system. He'll use your flesh. He will use our sinful nature to try to defeat us. Paul says in verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. One translator put it this way. He said, For our contest is not with human foes alone, but with the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark world. That is, with the spiritual forces of evil challenging us in the heavenly contest. He's got an army, folks. He's got an army. We know that Revelation 12 tells us that one-third of the angels, one-third of the angels were with him. I have no idea how many angels there were to begin with, but obviously he's got himself an entourage. He has an army with him. And we need to keep that in the forefront. I want to say this, that your enemy is not sitting next to you. Amen? Your enemy is, is probably not even sitting in front of you or sitting behind you. That is not your enemy. I will say this, that it's possible that the enemy can be using the person in front of you. Could be using the person beside you. Could be using a person at your workplace. Using a person in your home. But that is not who we need to target. Amen? We need to keep that always in the forefront of our mind. Our enemy is not them on the outside of the church. Do you know that this morning? That there's sometimes the church takes a posture where it seems like we are against people. I've heard it preached many a time and it just seems like it's an us versus them mentality. No. Them, those who don't know Jesus, that's who Jesus died for. Did you know that this morning? He came to save and to seek the lost... It wasn't the healthy who needs a physician. And so the lost don't need condemnation. What the lost needs is to be rescued. Amen. The church is not some cruise ship. It's a, it's a battleship and it, is a rescue, it has a rescue mission. To reach and to rescue the lost. Folks, this is not to be a country club. Amen. The church is not to be a country club. I'm preaching this morning. And it's a morning service. I know that this is not a camp meeting or an evening service. And I know that we're thinking about cake and ice cream. But folks, the church has to understand its mission. It's the same mission that Jesus had. It's the same enemy that Jesus had. Jesus goes into the wilderness, we know, and he's tempted of the devil. Amen? He's tempted of the devil. And how many know he, when he was tempted of the, of the devil, Jesus didn't fail? Why? Because he, he relied upon the word of God. He maintained his position. He took his stand against the evil one. And because of that, he returned to Galilee, folks, coming out of that wilderness temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that as he advanced through the power of the Spirit, demons were subject to him. Sickness was subject to him. Jesus was gaining ground against the evil one. The powers of, that, of the Satan was beginning to break because the inbreaking of the kingdom of God was happening into human history. Whew. 
Yeah. And folks, oh, can I just say that the same Holy Spirit <laughs> is available to each and every one of us. He's, he's not just wants to be on the inside of you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you power and authority, just like Jesus gave to his disciples in Luke 9 and 10. And they went out and they came back and they said, wow, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then what do they do? Luke chapter 24, Jesus says, you don't move a muscle. You stay in the city. I'm preaching a little bit of Pentecost right now. You stay in the city. You don't move a muscle until you've been clothed with power from on high. And they're like, hey, Jesus, are you going to establish? Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Don't worry about that, guys. You've got better things to do. More important things to do in the moment. Because, uh, listen, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you're going to receive power. Power. And you're going to be my witnesses. And what do they do? They go out and they preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit and the anointing of the Spirit. 3,000 people come to Jesus. Next thing you know, these same disciples are, are, that are filled with faith and filled with power are seeing people healed. The Peter that was running away was, was healing people. The gate beautiful. And remember that story? Next thing you know, you've got Stephen, you've got Philip going into Samaria, you've got Paul, you've got Barnabas, you've got some things going on, you've got some... You got some they're rattling the cage of hell, the gates of hell. But what if Jesus had have been tempted and he had have failed? What if the church had have failed? Thank the Lord, he said, my church, he said, I'm going to build it in the gates of hell. The plans of the enemy, the schemes that they're making at the city gate is not going to prevail. Hallelujah. Why? Because we've, we know the end of the story. We know the end. Of, well, that's enough credit for the devil, right? Enough credit to the devil. We've given some credit to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Paul moves on to the equipment. First of all, we need to know the enemy. Now we need to know some of the equipment. Look at verses 13 to 17. 13 to 17, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand on your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm them in the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming sword of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I don't know if anybody's ever read this. Uh, C.S. Lewis. How I many knows the name C.S. Lewis? Maybe you know the, the name of a book he wrote called The Screw Tape Letters. Have you ever heard that one, The Screw Tape Letters? The screw Tape Letters was, uh, well, well, Screw Tape was, an, was a demon master in this story. And he writes a series of letters to his nephew, Wormwood. See, Screw Tape is a master tempter, and Wormwood is an apprentice. He's learning. And there was one that was written by a demon named Twist Tape to a young apprentice named Harshwood. Now just listen to this. He said, Dear Harshwood, I understand that you're about to graduate with honors and begin your work on earth. I'm glad that your training went so well. I'd like to give you one piece of advice, one bit of devilish wisdom that I feel will be very useful to you as you begin your tour of duty on earth. One of the most important things I learned about humans during my tour of duty was that they think very highly of themselves. 
For the most part, they consider themselves to be good and moral and upstanding people. The faults, the shortcomings, and even the sins of others are very obvious to them. But when they look at themselves, all they see is what they want. Which, of course, are all the good parts. Good points. My advice to you, my dear Harshwood, is to encourage that kind of thinking. Encourage it for all it's worth. Our enemy wants them. Now, the enemy, when he's talking, is, is God. Our enemy wants them to see their sins as he sees them so that they will turn back to him. But that's the last thing we want. I encourage you to blind their eyes, their hearts, and their souls to that revelation. Encourage them to think only of their good points. And you, my dear Harshwood, will succeed in damning thousands of human beings to the hell, fires of hell. When pastors and evangelists preach about repentance and convince them that there is no need, for, convince them, he says, that there is no need to, to repent. For the pastor is really talking about the person sitting in the balcony or on the other side of the church. Convince them that they are in pretty good shape and there's really no need for them to repent. And then you will have them. For you see, my dear Harshwood, when human beings start thinking about how good they are, they get filled with pride. And when that happens, they are as good as ours. Good luck on your tour of duty. My heart goes out to you as you use every trick, every scheme, every evil desire, every good intention, every proud thought to win souls for the God of this world. Our Lord and Master Satan himself signed with your devoted teacher, Twist Tape. You see how subtle that can be? How subtle that can be? You know that Satan, we know that what? Satan is a liar. And his goal is to blind people's eyes and hearts to God's truth. That's why they teach the things that they do in school. That we, you know, we're watching a, a, a comic book series now, The Flash. And in that comic book series, there's powers and good and evil and whatever the case might be, but, but there's, there's a multiverse. There's countless universes and that's a theory that's been put forth of course not just in the science fiction world but also in there's a zoologist by the uh, in, in from from Britain Richard Dawkins and Richard Dawkins is so full of pride that he will not he will not come to a conclusion that God exists he would rather believe that there is a multiverse generator out there or a universe generator out there that just like when you put this soap into your sink and you turn on the hot water and it creates suds after suds after suds after, you know, just boom, all these bubbles. That out there somewhere is a universe machine just creating universes. And there's millions or billions of universes just like the one we live in. Won't believe that there is a loving supreme being who has created everything with design and order and purpose. No, we're just product of some impersonal machinery out there somewhere. And then there's those who would say, oh, we've just come out of the primordial soup. In fact, I remember talking to one guy who was a staunch atheist, and he said to me, he said, we are a cosmic accident. If we are just the product of evolutionary forces, a blind chance, what that actually means is that life has absolutely no purpose and meaning. And the only purpose and meaning in life is what you make of your life. And that's it. So therefore, you are your own God. 
See how subtle that is? But that's what is being taught today by, the, by secular society. That's why we have books written by evangelical preachers, I'll say, where in the end, everybody they believe is going to be. Jesus didn't say that, did he? Jesus said that, that few there be that find it. See, there's a broad and a narrow road. And yet there'll be an evangelical preacher, and because he has a mega church and he writes a book, he'll deceive millions of people. We have to be careful. We have to remember that we have an adversary, and he wants to use and twist everything he can in the book so that we will be blind to the truth. Amen? We need, the, we need truth. We need the belt of truth. How about the breastplate of righteousness? And Paul was probably thinking about the Roman soldier. He was thinking about the breastplate that was made of metal plates or chains covered the body from the neck to the waist, with front and back, essential because it protected vital organs like the heart and the lungs. Guard your heart. Because our adversary is an accuser. And he will do everything to say, oh, you're getting started on your light with Jesus, but just remember all the bad things you've done. And he'll want to open up the closet door and take everything out item by item by item by item by item to make you feel condemned. Well, look what you did here and look what you did there and, and how in the world could you believe that God could really accept you? Look what you've done. Look what you said. Look what you thought. Look where you went. He's an accuser. He's an accuser. And when he comes along and tries to fill your mind full of junk to try to to win your to, to try to, to deceive your heart you need to come back with who you are in Jesus I am a child of the king I am uncovered by the blood of the lamb I have been adopted I have been chosen I am redeemed amen you need to throw that right back into his face to let him know who you are in Jesus I am a new creation I am born again. My name's been written down. Amen? You, that's what you need to do. You need to throw it back in his face. He's got nothing to stand on because there's no condemnation, Paul says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been clothed with the righteousness of God. We have been clothed with his holiness. Amen? That's who we are. Don't allow the devil to get into your mind. You need to take every thought captivity to the obedience of Christ and his word. Amen? Hallelujah. Guarding your heart. Praise his name. See, we can't earn it, folks. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn the favor. God gives it to you. It's a gift. Praise his name. Hallelujah. I'm having fun this morning. Praise his name. Your feet fit it with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, verse 15. The shoes of the gospel. Paul had in mind the Roman half boot. They were, that was where the toes were free. And this boot was able to give the soldier a really firm grip and made them 
ready to, to be able to move readily. They're made of strong leather. They had thickly studded with uh, hobnails in order to give them a secure footing. And I've come to realize that footwear is important. How many know it's a pretty hard job to uh, play hockey without skates? Amen? Soccer without cleats. Right? It's hard to use the elliptical trailer in, or the elliptical trainer, excuse me, at the gym in your socks. Don't try it. It doesn't work well. First-hand knowledge. Shoes were important. Without the right shoes, they would be seriously disadvantaged. I remember going to a shoe store. I think Christiane even went to the shoe store, and I think she told me, wasn't it, that about all these different shoes and what they did and how they supported this and that and the other thing, and I had no idea that footwear was that complicated. I'm wondering if they're going to start giving degrees in this stuff. But the shoes that Paul says that we need to put on are the shoes, are the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, it's kind of a strange term, but it means that we are to be ready. We are to be ready. Our armor includes shoes. That means that we are ready and prepared with the gospel. I would suggest that we need to remember that we... We need to be ready for the gospel, not only with ourselves, as I was pointing out about the good news of what Christ has done for us, and therefore we don't need to take the devil's condemnation. But we also need to be ready to share that gospel with other people. It means we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. It might be at Tim Hortons, it might be at Walmart, it might be in your home. But we need to be ready and fit it with the shoes of the gospel of peace. Because whenever we share our faith, how many know we're scattering the seed as Jesus did? As the apostles did. We're scattering seed. And you just never know. You never know when someone might respond. And bear a harvest. Amen. Matthew 13, Jesus talks about the sower and the seed and uh, four types of soil. But how many know there just might be that you might scatter some seed and it land on a good plot of soil. And it bring forth the harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. Life. Hallelujah. A green patch. Praise God. You just never know. The shield of faith. The Shield of Faith, it was a story of a motorcycle police officer. And one day, uh, and the day, the day was just dawning when he, when he saw a red pickup truck speeding through a stop sign. He thought to himself, well, this guy must be late for work. He turned on his emergency light radio that he was in pursuit. The, uh, the pickup pulled over. The officer approached him. Meanwhile, in the truck, the driver was scared. And he thought to himself, uh-oh, the cops already know. And he rested his hand on the same gun he had used a few moments ago to rob a 24-hour mart. And the stack of stolen cash was beside him on the seat. And the officer said, good morning, sir. He said, may I see your... And before he finished the sentence, the driver shoved his gun toward the policeman's chest and fired just inches away. 
And the cop was knocked about seven feet away. A few seconds later, the shock of the criminal, the officer stood up, pulled his service revolver and fired twice. And the first bullet went through the open window, smashed the windshield, the second tore through the door, ripped into the driver's left leg. And the thief said, don't shoot, don't shoot. He threw his, his, his gun out and he threw out the money. And here's the thing. What saved that policeman's life was dozens of layers of Kevlar, a super strong fabric used for bulletproof vests, only three-eighths of an inch thick. But Kevlar can stop bullets cold. Kevlar. Can I tell you, we got some of our own Kevlar. Paul calls it the shield of faith. Amen? It's not designed to stop thieves' bullets. It's designed to stop the fiery darts of the evil one, of our enemy. Amen? We got our own Kevlar. You see, the shield, the Roman shield, was large. It was about four by two, made of wood and covered with tough leather. And the soldier would hold it in front of himself, and it would protect the soldier from spears and arrows and fiery darts, maybe even swords that were being swung at them. And of course, in those days, they would take, they would take arrows and they would dip it and they would put them on fire and they would fire those darts and they would ignite. And here's the thing. I want us to know, Satan has some fiery darts to fire at us. And you know what he's firing at us sometimes? He's firing lies He's firing deception. He even fires blasphemous thoughts, hatred, malice, revenge, fear, doubt, impurity, anxiety, even tries to tempt us with rebellion, disobedience, and so on. But Paul is telling us you need to stand firm. Amen? Stand firm. You need to stand firm with a shield of faith. It has to be a living and an active faith. Shield of faith. And we need to remember that we need to keep firm on the promises of God's word. Shield of faith. Keep that. So you've got to have that good footwear to keep your stance good and solid. And you need to keep that shield of faith up. But there's a really cool aspect to this. See, See, sometimes we're thinking about ourselves individualistically here. But I want you to know this, too. Have you, ever, have you ever been at a time when you're like, man, I need to call somebody? I'm going through this right now, and it's really rough, and i got to get on the phone. i got to make a phone call or send a text message or a messenger on Facebook because I need a friend to pray with me, to help me stand against this attack have you ever noticed that sometimes we need to reach out to people and ask them to believe and agree with us? Well, I want you to know this morning that the edges of the shield were made in such a way. I don't know if you've ever seen these here mats. We got them at home. My wife bought them quite a few years ago, and they were these foam mats. They were multicolored. You had some that were yellow, blue, green, red, orange, or whatever, and you got them for the kids and you put them on the floor in these tiles, and on the edges, you could fit them together, like a puzzle. And you could cover your floor with them. 
Now they take them and they cut them up and make Batman suits. That's what they're known at home. Cutting them up, never even asked. But anyway, that's not the point. But the point is that they, you, they would interlock with each other. And then you, then you could cover your floor and the kids could play on a nice soft spot. Right? You ever see them? Well, I want you to know that the edges of the shield of faith, that Paul's thought, the Roman shield, was similar way. That you could interlock to the one beside you. And the one beside, on the other side could lock up with them. And, and then, so the next thing you know, they were locking up together, going across this way, and then they would go across that way. And the next thing you know, that they were facing the enemy with a wall of protection. This wasn't one shield. They had, the, yeah, they had a shield wall. How many know it's good to have some soldiers alongside you when you're taking your stand? Paul is not writing to one person here, remember. He's writing to a whole church in Ephesus. And from my understanding, the church was probably of some size in that major city. And he's saying, he, so here's the thing we can take home with that, is that it tells me that the good fight of faith is not to be fought alone. You catching this? The good fight of faith is not to be fought alone. Listen, folks, I want you to know that when, when see, the enemy also wants to come in and he wants to, he wants to isolate from, from, the, from the group. Did you know that? When you get isolated from, from the group, that you become much more easy to devour. It's a lot easier for the wolf to come in and devour that one that's gotten away. But there's safety in numbers. Amen? You catching this? Safety in numbers. So it's not to be fought alone. It tells me that there's going to be greater... When you lock up with the one alongside you, on both sides, it tells me there's going to be greater protection. It tells me that there's going to be a bigger wall. It tells me that the odds of the victory over the adversary when we stand side by side in our faith is going to be much, much more probable. You see, he has an army. We need to have our own army. We need to have an exceedingly great army. Amen? We are not designed to stand alone. Fifth thing he talks about in verse 17 is the helmet of salvation. Why do you need the helmet of salvation? Because it protects your mind. Romans 12 talks about renewing of the mind, a mind that is controlled by God. When we have our mind controlled by God, it's much more difficult for Satan to lead us astray. I remember talking with a gentleman who, who used to listen to, to different people and had a certain perspective on, on this book and what this book had taught, but then he got himself into the book more intentionally, and as he began to get into the book and he began to listen to the Holy Spirit, be guided by the Spirit, he realized that the things that the other people were telling weren't quite matching up. And his mind was being renewed. How? By the Word of God. How many know you don't study counterfeit money to know what the counterfeit is? You study the real deal. Then you know what's counterfeit. Amen? Praise his name. Sword of the Spirit. How many, you, you know that most of all these other weapons that Paul talks about are defensive. This is your offense. This is your offense. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Roman soldier would have a short sword one that he would have on his belt for fighting in close. Paul likens the word as the sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4 verse 12 compares the word as a sword. The word that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost cut people 
to the heart. The sword, this sword, is better than the physical one. You see, a steel blade might pierce the body, but the sword of the Spirit pierces the heart. And the more you use a metal blade, the duller it gets, but the more we use God's Word, the sharper we get. Hallelujah. The physical sword depends on the strength of the, uh, and the skill of the soldier, but the sword of the Spirit is living and it's powerful. The physical sword is used to wound and kill, but the sword of the Spirit wounds to give healing and to give life. And when used against the adversary, it will bring us victory every single time. And don't forget that's how Jesus won his battle in the wilderness Every time Satan came along with a temptation, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And what did Satan have to do? Satan had to flee. Sword of the Spirit. The more we use it, the sharper we get. Hallelujah. And I want to close with this thought as we call the worship team back together. Jesus' purpose, listen to this, Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is gone, but we still have the works of the devil. How many know it's our job today? Amen? God will win the battle for us, but we've got to show up for the fight. It's in our hands now. It's in our hands now to push back the darkness. It's in our hands now to take up our full armor. It's in our, it's in our hands now to wield skillfully the sword of the Spirit. We, can we do victory in Jesus? I think that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many would say this morning that I think it's a good idea to be sure I'm fitted with the full armor of God all the time because, you listen, you never know when the next attack is going to come or how it's going to come or what Satan is going to use. But I want us to remind us of this, is that when we stand together, oh, I love that part, when we stand together with those interlocking shields of faith, we can extinguish together all the fiery darts of the enemy. And when we take that sword of the Spirit and we use that just like Jesus did, it is written, it is written. Victory is assured. Amen. Amen. Please maybe you're going through maybe you're going through something today. Maybe you've been going through something for a week. Maybe it's been months. I don't know what it is. The Lord knows what it is. Maybe it's time that we just kind of locked up a little bit with someone alongside you and say, Victory shall be mine. Victory shall be mine. Victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you glad you're on the winning side this morning? And I just want to throw this out that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that he wanted to rescue you from this enemy we've talked about because his enemy is not your friend. And this enemy will use whatever tool he can to destroy you, but Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. And it begins when you say yes to him. When you say yes to him, is when your new life begins. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. 
He wants you, you to, to know Him and to grow in Him. And to be in that spot where you're that new creation. You're that one who's adopted. You're that one who's rescued. You're that one who's a child of God. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment here, just to give an opportunity. That maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Him. And you want to know more about Him. Maybe you're not ready, but you're, you're curious. You're, I got you thinking today. I got you thinking today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you want to know more. Maybe you're here today, and if you could just lift up a hand, just say, yeah, you got me thinking. You got me thinking. Anybody here this morning might say, you, you got me wondering now about all of this. Anybody? Anyone at all? Well, how about those that know him and love him? You're going through a battle right now. Maybe some of you are going through a battle right now. How many are, if you lift up a hand, I see a hand, a few hands going up. Let's just be sure this morning that we have on the full armor of God. Don't, don't go through it alone. Don't go through it alone. Lock up with somebody. Amen? Because I heard an old, old, heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory.
together today in fellowship and time around your word. We thank you for this time that we have had. And God, as the word has gone forth this morning, let it fall on fertile soil, that it would grow and more questions would be asked. And Lord, there would be new people coming into the kingdom. I thank you, Father, that every time your word goes out, it accomplishes something. I thank you, Lord, for blessing us as we meet together in fellowship here this morning. Until we meet again, Lord, let your blessing rest on every home, every household. Draw people unto yourself and show them the fullness and the blessing of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless the food today. Amen. <laughs>